Frosty and the Fries. Yep. That was a match made in heaven. We've discussed that at length before, and I'm very much an anti-Frosty and Fry dipping person. Because it just doesn't have any tannins for you. Mm-mm. I will jump in on Frosties and your fry or Fries and your Frosties. That's just disgusting. So Thank you, Blake. It's my comment for the night. Yeah, well, you both, both your palates suck. <laughs> <laughs> This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen, and I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. Well, I've been getting a bit philosophical lately, and on this roundtable, we take a deeper look into a trend that I've been noticing, and I'm just trying to figure out why, either as influencers or as well as just people like you in this community... People keep talking about bottom shelf bourbon like it's a something special or a hidden gem. However, I kind of feel like if you're in this hobby and you're listening to a show, you listen to YouTube, you read blogs, you buy books, most of us would give these bourbons a C rating and we would probably call them average. And really, I'm looking at stuff that's in the sub 20 to maybe $25 category and below. However, why do we keep doing this? Who are we trying to convince to drink these bourbons? So when people start talking about this and they pay attention to blogs and YouTubes, I don't think that people are really the ones buying these $20 bottles. So I kind of pose it to the group and I feel like it's time to start elevating the discussion. And do we need to start killing the bottom shelf promotion? Because after all, if they aren't average bourbons, then let's figure out why. And we'll talk about criteria on how to be considered average or above average. With that, enjoy this episode. I promise it gets a little heated. But now, enjoy Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Kevin with the nickname McClincaren. He writes me on fredminnick.com. Fred, I've read all your books, and they are great. Three thumbs up, as the Pursuit Boys would say. I want to know more about your backstory. What role did whiskey play in your parents' lives, and how did it affect you later on as you became more involved in the whiskey industry? Well, great question. It's uh, obviously on the on the personal side, but I will tell you, my my parents did not drink uh, when I was growing up, and it's one of those things that I don't really talk about this a lot. But there's um, my grandfather on my dad's side was a really a uh, really bad alcoholic. And so my dad never never touched the stuff. And mom, well, I think mom would have a glass of wine here and there, but she was never really a drinker. And, you know, on her side of the family, there was not much, you know, drinking going on. Well, I take that back. There, there was drinking going on with some uncles, you know, that married into the family. But when I got into the industry, I was actually really nervous about what my family would think of this because we did have a a problem with alcoholism in our family. And, you know, at first, I think my dad was a little like, he was a little concerned saying like, you know, you're so talented, you could do so many other things. And there was also, I was just coming home from Iraq. You know, I think there was some concern in the family that I might be using this to like self-medicate. But it took my family, I'd say, a, a couple years to see it and understand that this was not about drinking for me. This was more about uh, the history. 
it was more about challenging my taste buds uh, than anything. And it was when they came to one of my events and they sat down with the now uh, deceased uh, Al Young, incredible ambassador to bourbon. He was a longtime ambassador and, and distillery manager for Four Roses and author. And Al Young told my parents like how much I meant to the bourbon industry. And that I, after that, they kind of shifted they shifted everything. And now now my dad uh, sends me texts like, hey, I got this buddy at work. You know, he's looking for something that's under 40 bucks. Can you help him out? So, you know, I'll send him a text right back. But my parents uh, have always been incredibly supportive of me with whatever I do. I mean, like any good parent would, they ask the questions when they need to. They prod me when they need to. And if they're concerned, you know, they're not going to shy away from uh, letting me know they're concerned, especially my dad, who is not afraid uh, to ask a question. But thank you for uh, for that question, Kevin. I hope it helps you understand a little bit more about my path and how serious I take it. But uh, that's going to do it for this week's Above the Char. If you want to be like Kevin, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Click the contact button. And if I like the question, I'll read it on the air. Until next week, cheers. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Give 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Hey everybody, welcome back to another fantastic brand new episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Kenny here, as well as Fred and Ryan, fellas. Hey, Ryan here. I'm here. Fred here. What's going on, guys? Hey. Well, like I said, I'm very excited to be able to talk about this topic tonight. I'm, I, I looked at this one, and, and before we get into it, I thought it was going to be one that we would probably do on our own, but... I when I started getting introspective, I felt like we need to bring in the roundtable here, get some more outside perspective too. So it's going to be really. I appreciate that because I, I want you all to remain my friends after <laughs> after my uh, 
when I'm allowed to talk because I've got a, I've got quite the dissertation on this one. I might have to make this like uh, ESPN's around the horn and just have the mute button and give everybody points as we start going to. That'd be a great format for this. Yeah, that would be a good one. Cause it might. I feel like we are all going to have a lot of opinions. This could go for like two hours. <laughs> well, for the sake of my marriage, let's make sure we keep it at around 45 to 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> Brian, get the divorce papers going. Oh. <laughs> Speaking that our resident lawyer, Brian from Sipping Corn, why don't you chime on in? Hey guys, this is Brian. Thanks for having me. Um, interesting one, and and I enjoyed your your post earlier, or I guess later last week, whenever that was. You're getting deep, and this one, this is one that I think we're all going to enjoy, uh, kind of diving into. Yeah, absolutely. And then we also want to get perspective from the retailer side when we get into this as well. So Blake from Sealbox. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm Blake from Bourboner and Sealbox. Always fun to be back. And uh, I mean, you know, we we didn't chat too much about it, but I think we got some dissenting opinions here. So should be entertaining and good. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get into some of these topics. Absolutely. And then for the person that has, I mean, arguably, or with a team, the largest whiskey blog, bourbon blog on the market today, Eric from Breaking Bourbon. Hey guys, I'm Eric from Breaking Bourbon. Um, yeah, I, I really was interested in this topic when you you presented it, Kenny. That uh, I grabbed a whole lot of my inexpensive, lower cost bottles next to me. We'll try to dive in here and make the case for or against what we're dealing with here, because we do have a few lists on our on Breaking Bourbon that are, you know, pointing out some of the the better, you know, we'll call them hidden gems or just value bourbon. So let's get into it. And I'm sure you haven't drank out of those in, I don't know, why well, five years since you bought them? Well, we'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> see, that's, that's what we're talking idea. about. That's All what right, we're talking we'll, about. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. So as I had kind of hit at the very beginning of the show, I've been getting a little philosophical and getting some deep thoughts in regards of the market, what people are talking about, how are people gravitating towards bottles? And this is also kind of selfishly as having our own brand with Pursuit Spirits and Pursuit United, I start really trying to figure out how do I analyze the customer? What's the right way of marketing? And I just keep looking at different things and, and taking it from a different lens. And it's not always my perspective, but it's others' perspectives. But this one I, I kind of looked at, and this has been a, a tale as old as time. So if you're a blogger or a YouTuber or even a podcaster, at some point, somebody has probably come out with a list that says the top 10 bourbons under $20 or the top bourbons on the bottom shelf. And I kind of got to thinking about this because I looked at it and I said, all right, who were we really trying to target with these particular types of posts? Because if you are in the whiskey community, if you listen to podcasts, if you read the blogs, if you pay attention to what people or YouTube are saying, odds are you are probably not that person that's buying a $20 product. The people that are buying those sub $20 products are not what I would probably call a part of a broader whiskey community. And the other thing I look at this, I have to think of, well, what do we look at as and when I say this, is I meant to, I mean, I would say this like the best possible way, especially to all of the big guys that could squash us at, at any moment, is that when you look at these bottom shelf bourbons, we look at them and do we say like, oh, these are good, 
are they really good or are they just average? Because most of us now, we've had a lot of good bourbons. We've tasted a bunch. And if you go back to it and we give it a rating, I don't know. I'd probably rate them maybe a C, C plus. And so I kind of got thinking when I keep seeing a lot of these articles, these videos pop up, I'm going like, why do we keep promoting average whiskey? Shouldn't we sit there and put our focus on brands, line extensions, other whiskeys in the market that are making people want to really expand their horizon? Like what are other good whiskeys that we have access to? Because all the times it's the same nine bottles that I see usually on these lists and it's all from the same big six distilleries. And for the most part, I don't feel that it's really hitting the right target audience. Now, I just opened up a huge can of worms there. So I, I kind of want to push it out and, and let whoever wants to speak first. And I'll ask the first question of when you think of these bottom shelf whiskeys, are any of them really great or are they just average at best? I'll be honest with you. I could take this entire thing for like the two hour above the char. So I will, I, I will refrain until Kenny, you say, go ahead because <laughs> I, I'm going, you have no idea. The clock's starting you, now. You said you opened a can of worms. You have no idea. Uh, but I I'll wait till everyone else goes and then I'll go because I'll answer your question, but also give some other things around it. But I just want to be very clear. I'll, I'll jump in, and and I think it's it's all how we define the bottom shelf. Like you know, I know Tin High or uh, some of these just blended whiskeys where it's essentially vodka mixed in whiskey. Like it's just it's not good. It's you know there, there's a lot of those out there, but to me, it's kind of what it, the beauty of bourbon is today. Is there's a lot of bottom shelf stuff that's still available. Now it's not as good as it was even five years ago. But, you know, J.W. Dant is still in pretty solid rotation in my shelf. Same as Eagle or, uh, you know, uh, Wild Turkey 101. I think there are a lot of good bottom shelf brands, if we want to call them that, or just $20 or less. I think it's just, you, you know, the, the swing of the pendulum. So we've had a lot of time talking about limited editions, talking about expensive bottles, and now people to draw on their audience you know, they're trying to do something else. So I think it's just another way to stick out. They were probably overlooked for a little bit, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, that's all people thought bourbon was, was these bottom shelf offerings. And now that people have caught on, it can be more high end, there's limited editions, there's allocations, all of that. We're just swinging that pendulum back the other way where it's like, oh, well, what about these again? You know, and, and a lot of times I think, you know, breaking gets some heat about, old granddad 114 and no, don't talk about it, that kind of stuff. But in reality, most people already know about those. They're just not drinking them. So I think at the end of the day, no matter how many articles are written, to Kenny's point, the, the enthusiast isn't just drinking those and chasing them. They're going after the next biggest thing. So uh, I'm not too worried about the articles. I think it gives a little bit of variety, but yeah, I think it does highlight something that's been overlooked for at least the last few years in the bourbon world. Yeah, I think there's a difference between true bottom shelf and and you mentioned Ten High, and that's one I put in my tweet today for the for the show. It's it's awful. I mean, it's verifiably, objectively awful. 
and it makes probably half of these lists. So some of them I think are true to the bottom shelf, you know, $7.99 to $11.99 type stuff. But you mentioned Old Granddad 114. It's probably not bottom shelf uh, anymore. Um, there's some that that people put in the list, like Fred was pouring his Evan Williams. You know, it's it's one of their more modestly priced whiskeys, but it's not really bottom shelf. So what what I'm struggling with is staying away and, and not promoting the really bad stuff, but helping people find, I think, I forget who it was who said hidden gems. That might've been Eric in the, in the intro. There are still some hidden gems out there and they're going to be, you know, over $25, but there's some, there's some bad whiskey out there, folks. And, and I got no interest in, in promoting it. Anybody else want to step to the plate? Yeah, Go ahead, I'll Eric. bite. I'll bite next. Um, so it, some of it has to do with who we're specifically talk, uh, targeting with in regards to these bottom shelfers. Are we talking about enthusiasts that have collections like this behind you? Are we talking about, you know, those best of, you know, other $20 lists? Are those for people that have this kind of stuff or are they people that are just getting in the bourbon and don't know where to start? I would I would kind of picture it and say, if if you are somebody that is intently watching YouTube videos or you're intently listening to podcasts or seeking out a blog, I think that's something that you and not just like seeking out for like one time, but it's starting to become part of your life. You're becoming a whiskey enthusiast. That's what that's what the the kind of persona I'm trying to develop here. Yeah. So that that you're you know, you're taking this hobby to the next level that you're starting to read about it more, that sort of thing. All right. So then I think there is still you're you're still at that level where there's plenty of stuff to discover in that price range before. I mean, even we're talking about bottom shelf under twenty dollars now. I mean, you might even be include under thirty dollars. Just the the limited number of bourbons that are even in that price range anymore. I mean, they're they kind of ebb and flow a little bit. But what do we start defining as bottom shelf? I mean, is Jack Daniels bottom shelf? Is it's in that lower maker's mark, you know, those are uh, Elijah Craig small batch. Those are all like that. I'd say the Elijah Craig small batch is at 35. I mean, I would say you're at sub 20, sometimes sub 25, but I would say sub 20 to 25. If you're below that, that's where you're getting into what I would consider bottom shelf and the race at the bottom. I think we need to redefine not bottom shelf, but the, the problem is the value bourbons. Okay. Thank that, you, that's, yeah. I think that's where. I think you're trying to go with so best value bourbons, which I, th- I would think would be 30 and less. We, we've talked about this and there, there, there's no other industry or hobby that like th- there's not like a sommelier or a five-star chef for this or that would like ever be like here top five value or like, you know, these food critics would never be like, go to this like really good, you know, fried chicken place that's $10 and under. I don't know. It, it's interesting in whiskey that that the sub 30, 30 to sub is like acceptable to whiskey enthusiasts. And I don't have a problem with it. The problem, the problem I guess I kind of have is that like wh- when these articles and this and that, it promotes people to go out and say, oh, well, you can buy three bottles at $20 a piece versus one bottle at $60 a piece from a so-called, you know, craft or smaller producer. And th- these big six companies are already putting out, you know, they're, they're already grab- grabbing mind share at the bottom, the middle and the high end. It's like, why are we promoting them to go even lower and cheaper to say like, 
oh, well, why would you spend 30 to $75 when you can have something just as good? And I don't think it is as as good. People people in their mind say, oh, yeah, they, because people want to feel smart. They want to feel savvy when they get told that, oh, this is the best value or the best that. And it's in their mind. It's just like the same thing if you say this is good or tastes good because it's $100 or more. It's the same thing in your mind psychologically. And people will say, I see Wade saying OGD beats majority of things and blind tastings. It has never won in any of my blind tastings. You need to put better whiskey in there. And, <laughs> and like people will say early times is great. It is fine. I bought all these bottles myself and they are there and I'm about to dump them out because they've been there for six years. And that was six bottles that I could have took a chance on, on a small mid craft size producer and supported them. Whereas the big six, once again, gained that mind share, gained more customers and got more dollars away from someone who's putting out really good stuff at that 40 to $75 range. And that's the problem I have with this type of content. And I know Fred's going to say, well, Evan Williams, hundreds, my gold standard, and I put everything against it. And if it's this and that, and it's like, that's great. Heaven Hill makes fantastic whiskey. They don't need your help, Fred, to sell any more bottles. <laughs> they do just <laughs> fine. They don't need any more help selling $20 Evan Williams bottles. They're doing just fine. That's my problem with this whole promoting these bottom shelf average bourbons. Well, I, a couple things here. Old Granddad 114 won my best uh, everyday uh, bourbon uh, last year. And yes, Evan Williams Bottle and Bond is absolutely like that that kind of standard. But I, I will tell you, I... Well, let's hold on. Let's let's clarify. 114 is not probably in the same exact category. That's right? fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Evan Williams Bottle and Bond, which won it a couple of years ago, is... And it it even it's beat a lot of whiskeys and blind tastings over the years, but so it won best of the average, best right? best of the everyday, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that, that that's what our argument is. Like, why are we promoting average? So I will, and it it also whipped up on a few others and um in an overall tasting. But let me get to kind of like my my main piece. We and Ryan Ryan really was a good person to follow up with because he was talking about the content and the people br bringing it up. Um. I mean, I I think I'm the only person here, Brian. I don't think you were writing, you know, in the early 2000s, 90s. You you started as a blogger, right? Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Not till like 2012, 2013. So I am the only person here from legacy media, meaning magazines and and books. And like this is, I'm only in podcasting and YouTube because nobody reads anymore and. When I was coming up, I had to work my ass off to prove to Lou Bryson that I could write about whiskey. I had to prove to John Hansel that I knew the differences between all the styles of whiskey. When I became a taster at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, they would laugh uh, an influencer out of the room. You had to know what you were talking about. In the 90s, that's when magazines for whiskey, even whiskey media doesn't even come out until the 1990s. Up until then, whiskey was the devil. It was a bastardized thing that you didn't talk about. You could never celebrate it. And people who were writing about there were 15 of us when I came. When I came in in the ranks as a whiskey writer in 2006, there were 15 whiskey writers in the world who were considered high level. And 
and they were the gatekeepers of information. They did not put out lists. They did not talk about, um, they gave reviews. They criticized everything fairly and accurately. But over time, that stuff goes away like everything else in like old school media. People don't want depth. I wrote a 2000 word article on people who went around looking for leaks and barrels for Whiskey Advocate. You know what? If I put that on my website today, that'd probably get like 500, 600 views. But that was that was a prize jewel article for me in 2013. And you just don't people now anybody can be an expert. Anybody. And so I I've said this many times. I am on YouTube because I felt like I had to be there to promote my events and I had to promote my books, things like that, because people just don't show up to stuff. You have to tell them and where where people reside. And I thank God that the YouTube community was actually pretty damn cool, very accepting of me. And I I found I found the kind of re, rediscovered the bourbon community through YouTube. So I love YouTube. I'm going to, I'm going to stand, stick up for whiskey tube every day of the week. And I'll tell you the number one keyword based on an, an analytics, um, software that I use. The number one keyword for what we do is bargain bourbon. Number two is bourbon reviews. And then, you know, pretty far off cheap bourbon is way low. And available bourbon is way low. So those two things, bargain bourbon and bourbon reviews are the number one, the number one search topics for YouTube. Uh, then you have this, the sites and everything. But if you combine those in terms of how many views they have, you're looking at, uh, you're looking at a very serious amount of views. That means people are going onto YouTube searching for bargain bourbon. These are people who are new. They are not necessarily, they are not necessarily people who are, you know, picking up a book. I mean, half the people who watch my channel don't even know I've written books. It's true, and it's still find that weird, but it's true. They don't even know uh, that I'm on Bourbon Pursuit, even though I talk about it on all my on all my links and everything. But they find me through Bourbon Pursuit later on or whatever. But my, my point is, is they are not necessarily going to be retained for bourbon information. They're looking for one quick list, and that will be one to two million views over the course of, of uh, 10 years. If you if you do it right, you could get 100,000 much quicker. But someone brought up it's about getting views. Yeah, it, it is about getting views, just like it's about you all selling cases, just like it's about getting people to read Breaking Bourbon, just like it's about people going to Sealbox to to buy like youtube is is also a place where people do generate ad revenue and if the more views you get the more ad revenue you get now i will say you know there's a there's a big difference between you know it's it's bourbon night and new people coming in or mash and drum or adhd whiskey people like that there's a big difference between that level than than going down here now you want to talk about the writing well, whiskey writing went out the window when BuzzFeed kind of came in, came in the picture and it started like gutting us. AI has been writing, uh, robots have been writing beverage copy for about five years. And, and that, that's just gone out the window. List our list. And I put them in my newsletter and as much as we all bitch about them, as much as we all complain about it, my newsletter goes to a lot of people. 
And the number one thing that I will put in the, when someone, I, when I put a list from outside of my, my news, I'll put a list top seven bourbons this month. It'll be on Rob report or whatever. It'll be from a writer that I agree with or whatever, with no context whatsoever, just a single link with the words top seven bourbons this month. It'll be at the very bottom. I'll bury it. It'll have five times the amount of clicks as my lead story. So the reason why this happens, the reason why these lists get generated twofold. One, the gatekeepers of, of real whiskey content that can provide genuine information to people were it. This is it. This is, this is the closest thing we got to it right now. And, and two, this is what people want. So it's easy to create and anybody can do it. You can start a TikTok channel tomorrow and say, these are the five best bourbons right now. And you have you don't have to have any credibility whatsoever. And yet you could trend and you could get more views than someone who has dedicated their entire career on whiskey. I'm not mad about it. That is the state of the market. That's the way it is. And so when I've done those lists, because I've done them, I try to blind taste them. I try to give as much history and information as I can about them. And as far as like Heaven Hill, uh, not needing my promotion, or whatever. I don't give a shit about that. I care about that new person in Seattle or Tacoma. I don't know why I'm using the state of Washington, but people in, the, in wherever finding a bottle that they like, that they come to bourbon. And at the end of the day, they're not drinking vodka or something else. They're in a category and maybe they grow into something else. And maybe, you know, in five years, I get to have a dram with them in Bardstown. That's how I look at but it. But why not show them what's best and not what's average? You could spend seven to ten, you know, ten dollars more and get Elijah Craig. Elijah Craig is way better than Evan Williams Bald and Bond. When you started <laughs> drinking bourbon, did you Well, it's not fair because I grew up in Bardstown. Okay, so like when <laughs> when the average person starts drinking bourbon, do you think they're ready to invest sixty to a hundred dollars? Oh no, no, no. And and I'm not saying sixties that I'm but I'm saying why why are we promoting Evan? which Evan Williams is fine. It's great. But why not just promote Evan? Why not promote Elijah Craig? That's better a product than Evan Williams. They're going to have a better experience. I don't know experience. about that. I would say the Evan Williams bottle of bond is, is better for, um, than Elijah Craig and, uh, and many blind tastings for me. So I, I would, no way. And like wild turkey one Oh one is not better than Russell's 10. Oh, granddad One fourteen is well, there's nothing compared to cause Basil Hayden's just watered down, you know, version of it but it is better than that but it's not better than knob creek or bookers or uh ba bakers i mean <laughs> those are all going to be right there on that li in any list there too yeah but not as a value burn it's like give them the best option under 30 dollars that's the value right now and all most of those would be on that under value under 30 dollar value and if evan williams 101 or one uh bottle and bond is not on uh, an under 30 list for me then it's not a genuine list. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but I think that's a great product. So the, the way I look at this, and and by the way, you had a great drum solo there for a while, Fred. I just want to give you a hats off. You you went <laughs> off on a good tangent. The you know you had mentioned the word bargain. So why can't there be a seventy five dollar bargain? Like there are definitely really good bottles out there that probably drink above their price. Yeah. So why wouldn't that be on a list to say like, hey, here's the top seven bargain bourbons of the month. And let's say it's let's say it's three hundred dollars because it's that goddamn good. I, I I've done that before, and I just did that today. I didn't call it a bargain per se, but I I reviewed the Redwood Empire Grizzly Beast 
like the third batch. I just I loved it. It's 90 bucks. And I was just saying it's better than all of these other products. And I said, you should go get it. It's a good value or something like that. I mean, I had people messaging me like, how dare you promote a $90 bourbon as as a value or say it's better than Woodford or whatever. And I just like those people don't get it. And there's always if you are going to be in whiskey media and you're going to talk about talk about like uh, product, you can never you have to do your best to be conscious of price, but you can't let that sway your opinion on whether or not you think it's a good value, especially from a small distiller. I think $90 is is a very gettable product for a small distiller. And I do think it's a good value from Redwood Empire. Now, if that um, th- they could also probably repack, a lot of people could probably repackage something like, you know, Weller Special Reserve and charge 200 for it. And some people think that's a good value. I would disagree with that. But there's the what is value is really about what's in your bank account. And it's it's just hard to say what is value for someone. But so some of these lists, so I, I just searched to find some of these lists that come up and I'll you know, mention 10 high again and, and benchmark. And you know, those are objectively bad bourbons making it on these lists to get clicks. And I think that's what we got to avoid. There, there are some diamonds in the rough. There's you know hidden gems, whatever you want to call them. There's a lot of those. But it's almost like a, a badge of honor to say you like Old Crow when, in fact, it's god awful. Yeah, that's shit. I mean, it's just it's just bad. I the the benchmark one has thrown me for a loop because I've I've there's been people I respect. I, there's been people I really respect, like say, are out there pushing benchmark cast drink, and someone's out there saying it's Buffalo Trace. I'm like, man, tell me you don't know anything about whiskey without telling me you don't know anything about whiskey. I mean that that whole series about benchmark being the next Buffalo Trace is just it's baffling. That's what some people are calling the the benchmark foolproof, basically like Stag Junior Junior. <laughs> I feel like there's just a blind tasting in the future is what we really need to do. Of you know, can can the bargain brands beat out the top brands? Um, We've tried it, it before. And one thing I think. We we did that on a yeah, podcast. No, no, and, and I would agree. And all the limited editions one. Yeah, we did like Eagle Rare versus Eagle Rare Seventeen. We did we did all of them, and of course, I think there was only one that was the outlier. But most of them, they couldn't beat an LTO. It was the Weller CYPB lost to the Weller like one hundred seven or something. I mean, and I think you know the thing we haven't mentioned is taste is subjective. Now there is quality and not quality, but at the end of the day, something can be quality, but I just don't like it. So that's that's my opinion. But I don't think that's really what we're getting to for the heart of things here. But I think that is something that can't be overlooked. And if you can spend $25 on bourbon and you have a limited budget and you can have something you drink and enjoy, I don't think that's the worst thing. But I, I get your point of like, it's not pushing the category forward. It's not, you know, I think Ryan said it of no sommelier walks up to a table and is like, Oh, y'all want to have, you know, the chef's tasting? Let me go grab, you know, whatever the $13 uh barefoot wine is or something. So if if you want to elevate the category, you kind of got to talk about it as an elevated category. And I think that's part of what gets lost here with saying like, why the heck are you spending all this money on bourbon? Well, there there are reasons, you know, there's reasons for the producer, there's reasons for the consumer. Um and it can cheapen it a little bit if too much emphasis is put on that. But I still think there are plenty of good bargain bourbons. 
And so, and by the way, it, it, just to back to Blake's point about, you know, do you bring the barefoot wine out? And then like, if $25 is all I can spend, I, I want to make sure that we're, we're capturing the right persona. The people that are buying, like it, you have the bottles that are behind Eric right now. Like you've got 15, 20, 400 bottles. Like I'm talking about those people, not the people that just already have like three to five bottles. Those are the people that are still very early on in this journey. But the people that are already six months into it, you've probably already amassed 30 to 50 bottles. That's just the way it is. So that's that's the kind of persona that I'm, I'm pushing here and not to say like, oh, we need to be out there for the beginners. Like, I'm not talking about that. Those That content will be there because at some point people get into it and then they have somebody that teaches them and says, let me show you else was out, what else is out there. But it's going to be something that's that's going to actually push that a little bit further, that they're going to find that next phase of the journey. I'm just kind of concerned about where are we trying to promote average whiskey, the people that are actually trying to search for something better than average. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. I'm just kind of concerned about where are we trying to promote average whiskey, the people that are actually trying to search for something better than average. Yeah, I think the problem is we... There's too much focuses focused on the value at $30 less and too much focus on the limited editions. There's never any focused on the middle, like, you know, from 35 to like $75. There, there's not really a ton of focus on that. It feels like it's always the bottom or the top. But that's what people, that's what people want. But you can show people what's really good in that middle. That's, uh, I don't you know. Could show, you could show someone all day long, but if they don't want to see it, they're not going to see it. I mean, I... It's just, I remember Kenny telling me that, you know, YouTube was all about affirmation for people. And you can see that in the views uh, left and right. It's all about affirmation for people. 
And it's the same with the list, man. Like there's not, if you put out a, if, if you do a list that it, it, again, it's what is value put out. We do lists based on pricing. You don't do it based on whether you think it's good or whatever. You say best bourbons under 60 bucks, best bourbons under 50, best bourbons under 30 or whatever. I mean, that that's the only way that you can get anyone's attention. Like this, this we're, we're dealing, we deal with a public that does not want depth. They don't want nuance. Hell, they don't even want history uh, with, with this stuff. They just want, do you like it? Do you not like it? That's it. And, or, and what, what is the price? And so they see something that's price related and we say value bourbon or bargain bourbon, their mind is going $30 and under. And that's the Wild Turkey 101s, Evan Williams Bottled Bond, the Elijah Craigs, all those. But it's the same thing. It's, it's the always same the same thing. It's, it's always the same thing. thing. That's my problem with it is that it's the same shit all the time. And it, it's like we're, we keep promoting average. We just keep promoting average, and and I get it. It's just the average shit over and over and over again. But it's you have new people cycling in and out, and so yeah. I mean, how many times do you think I like talking about you know the shit about special barrel finishes? Yet I try to talk <laughs> about it each True. single time, as if the person listening <laughs> or reading it is is seeing it or hearing it for the first time. I mean, this is this is media, man. I mean, go watch ESPN. Go watch ESPN. They they talk about the same shit over and over for the, the same day. It's ridiculous. It's crazy how they do that. But that this is immediate. You have to keep putting things out there, whether you did it 10, 15 years ago or not, because you have new people coming in. Right now, there's a 22-year-old about to have their first drink of bourbon. Where are they going to get that information? Probably going to be a store clerk, to be honest with you, or a bartender. But what if they Google? What if they go to a distiller app? What if they get on Bourbon Pursuit and want to see a list or something? Or they go to Matt's ADHD whiskey. You know, who knows where they're going to get it? But they're, they're going to go somewhere. It's how it is. <laughs> I, this is so funny. People are getting so upset that they're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> it's just supposed to be a fun topic and conversation. Like it's. I told it's, you. I told you to get mad at me. Oh, who got mad at you? No, we're not getting we're not, mad. We're not mad. We're not I told mad. No, it, oh, no, we're this not was, mad. This was definitely a, a conversation that's supposed to leaving. spark. <laughs> it's supposed to spark good conversation. That's really what this is. Because, like I said at the very top of the show, this is not about seeking out the reason, the why, the what. I kind of want to understand the consumer. I just really want to understand, like, why, like, why, like, what keeps you wanting to click on those when you know what you're going to find. But at the same exact time, you are in this space and you've been here for a little bit. So is going and buying another, we'll say $15 bottle, is that really what you should be doing in this? Or should you say like, hey, like, okay, maybe let's wait a few weeks. Let's save a little more money. Let's go buy a $60 bottle. Or instead of buying three $20 bottles, then let's go buy the $60 bottle just because we want to see exactly how do we broaden this category. And like before you chime in here, and that's because there's one person that up here, it was a long time ago. And they said, what about the daily drinkers? Like you can't drink $80 whiskey every day. This will be another conversation I'll have for another day. But I also feel as a very 
other, uh, it's another deep conversation topic that I believe the daily drinker is dead and that there is so much choice as a consumer. You have more choice than you've ever had that there is no reason to have a daily drinker anymore, that you can go on the shelves and you can find a flavor and a taste profile that works well for you. All right, Blake, before I cut you off there, you can jump in there. No, I was just going to say, you know, and I think Fred alluded to this a little bit, but they do this to get views and clicks. And it's like, why are they writing these articles? It's like, well, we've spent the last 40 minutes discussing whether or not we should be writing. <laughs> you know, so, Listicles will always win. Yes. Yeah. May, maybe it's, um, y- you know, I think we've all seen it. We've all done blogs at times where you spend hours and hours writing it and then you throw up something in 15 minutes and it gets the most views. So I think we'll always just have that in I don't think it's as deep as maybe we're thinking it is. I'd be shocked and I'd love to hear from people in the comments of who's actually bought a bargain bourbon in the last, call it even six months or bottom shelf bourbon because of one of these articles. Um, And, you know, it's always a two-edged sword because then if new people are coming in, maybe they're thinking that's what bourbon is and they're drinking tin high and like, nope, I hate bourbon. I'm going back to scotch. So that's that can be difficult. But at the end of the day, it's just, you got to get so much media out there and some of these companies are just churning articles out. I think it's nothing more than that. It's just a way to maybe start some buzz, to get people talking, to say, oh man, you, you know, to send it to their buddies, man, we should just go buy a bottle of this $15 whatever and, you know, benchmarks the new pappy. Here we go. So uh, I think at the end of the day, it's more of a marketing media technique than it is truly trying to drive customers to these bottles. And, and I think all of us probably have our favorite cheap whiskey. And a lot of people like OGD just bottled in bond or, you know, the, the Evan Williams or back when it was available, the, you know, the 1199 six year heaven Hill in Kentucky. And that, that's great. You know, I've got my own favorites too of, of the cheap ones, but you look at these lists and there can't be seven good bourbons under, uh, under $15. Like some of these lists say, but definitely have your favorites. This goes to Blake's comment of everyone has their own taste preference. You're going to like that stuff. You should have that inexpensive bottle on your shelf, but, you know, explore, enjoy some other things too. Yeah. That's the, I think that's the best thing about bourbon in general is that you can have something at every price point that somebody's going to like. And that's what we love. And, and, but it, it is fascinating. And I'll go back to my original point. Like, there's no other enthusiast community that embraces bottom shelf average products, but the whiskey community for some reason does. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just fascinating to me that that's the case. You don't see like a coffee expert going, oh, you got to get Folgers and Columbia House, you know, and, uh, you know, all these house staple brands. They're like, no, you got to go get the drip over this and that. And I'm and sure whatever Wade left, he says we're like, you know, 20 or whatever, but we're enthusiasts. We're looking for the best of the best. Pricks was the word, Ryan. Yeah. We're, we're rich pricks or whatever. And that's, that's not our thing, but we're looking for the best of the best. And that's, what's fascinating to me. It's like, yes, those are good values, but they're not the best of the best. So this is, this is, this is in the same vein as the bourbon distillers forgetting the people who brought us to the dance. This is the same. This is part of the same conundrum about why, you know, old school bourbon drinkers or even someone who's been in for five years can't find the bottles they want anymore. 
it is the industry has always been the average person's affordable drink. It's always been that way. It has always been, I don't want to say the poor man's, you know, whiskey, but it it has been something that the blue collar worker could go and get a really incredible bottle of bourbon for back in the day under $15. Like you could get an eight year old bourbon in the mid 1980s for under 15 bucks where scotch was, you know, 40 bucks. And now that bourbon's popularity and all this demand, that's gone. And so I don't know, these lists, they suck because the whiskey that typically goes along with something under 20 bucks, unless it's Evan Williams bottled and bod, I'm going to keep shouting that one. It's they're, they're going to stink. They just are. And there's, there's not a lot to get. You go up to 30 different conversation, but this is, it's kind of depressing. It's, it's, it's depressing because here we are, we're talking about, let's talk about more, some of the better ones, the more, you know, it's just, it's, it's depressing because I know we have bourbon has priced themselves out of a lot of consumers and it, there's about to be, if, if the, if demand continues and people start buying these $200 products coming on the shelves for the first time at a source whiskey, the, the price is going to keep going up and it's going to keep pricing up and up and up. So part of me thinks that it would be great if we did have a quality, you know, under $30 category that stayed, that stayed the line. But here's the problem, Fred. The problem is that there's only six companies that can do that. That's it. I don't know about that. I've seen a lot of uh, smaller distillers start to come out with 40 bucks, uh, $40 product. We're already over. We're already, we're over, already your, your category. We're, we're already, already over the $30. Over. Yep. So, but it's close. It's close. But that's, that's the thing is like, and it's, it's by the way, and, and I mean this with everything. It's like, it's nothing to the big six. Like they make fantastic. Well, they do a great job. It's just when we look at the value, the bargain, the 15 to $20 bottle, we all look at it and we think this is, this is good, but it's average. You're not going to be like, oh, I'm spit this out. This is whatever. I mean, Brian said there's a few that he'd spit out, but we look at it and we say it's average. And the only way that I look at this is I say, how do we elevate the conversation for the people that create these articles that create these lists? How do we say, how do we find a way to promote whiskeys that drink beyond their price point that are a bargain that might be at 40? They might be at 400. They're a bargain because of what they are and what they taste like. Hell, I'll give a shout out. I just had Wyoming whiskey. I was drinking that when I was right here. I think, I don't even know what the hell SRP is. I think it's a bargain. I think it's absolutely delicious. Those are the things that I'm looking at and thinking like, why is that on a list like that? So that's the, the juxtaposition that I'm in and trying to navigate the conversation, even though we're getting towards the top here. Yeah, I've been on the other side of that where you put a uh, two, three hundred dollar product in a list or an article of saying it was a bargain. You get laughed out of the room real quick. I mean, if, if a bargain is is uh, is a high price, it, it as much as I agree with you, Kenny, it does not translate because nobody will actually read the article or watch the video. They'll just see the comments. I mean, we know that people don't even read or watch. They just go to the comments now. But um well, it's like, how about people just do what they think is good and not worry about what other people think? 
that's what the problem is, I think. <laughs> is with and that's a deeper conversation. It's media. It's media. So if you don't have people watching, if you don't have people buying your magazine or clicking, then you go away. You know, sure. your your product is putting out information. And if you put out information that is contrary to what your audience wants, you will not have an audience. I've been doing media since I was 15. And I can tell you right now, and it hurts me to say this, the audience that we communicate to do not want history. They may buy Brian and I's books, but they likely don't read them. It's it is it is what it is. If you don't if you don't create things that your audience wants, you will not get views. You won't get you won't get readers. You won't get viewers. Yeah, let me add to that too, Fred. Because it, to Kenny's point, where you're, let's let's elevate the conversation to the the next level. I the audience drives content for in a lot of ways, and they they're just not interested in being elevated. They the most response, you know, typically on Breaking Bourbon to our reviews are the lower end bottles. You get the most comments, the most hits, the most interaction, and just fire from people. Yeah, Eric, don't talk about it, Eric. Don't talk about it, right? Yeah. That's how they are. we're always trying to, you know, it's either the high end or it's the low end. It's it's you know, that's where you get the most. And in between, it is so hard to get people to to click on something they've never heard of from a major distillery. I think that's why you get so much interaction with the lower end because they're available. People can afford them. And then so many people are just fine with drinking average bourbon. Like the, you know, the, the middle of the road, slightly elevated, they're fine with that. And they're fine with that price point. Totally. I think that's why they're so popular. And I think Kenny achieved his mission with tonight. You got people riled up, you got good conversation and that's what it's all about. I know? love it. <laughs> Yeah, this is, I think, the first time we've ever had a roundtable where there was one topic of conversation for the entire show. So uh, I do want to say thank you all for, for chiming in here. And we didn't even get over the fact that sometimes we can consider maybe, I don't know, sometimes just regular five-year MGP can be average. But that's it's something for another topic <laughs> of conversation. But Typically, I mean, like I said, this was something that was supposed to be a, a, a dive into the psyche to understand why we do these things. Because if you're listening to this show, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you watch these guys on YouTube, if you read their books, if you buy from them, if you read their blogs, you're a part of this community. You're a part of a of of a of a a higher level, an escalated, elevated understanding of being inside of a whiskey community. And so that's when I, and, and you care, you, like, that's the thing is you care, you care about whiskey, you care about the news, you care about what you're drinking. And so that's when I kind of looked at it and I said, well, how do we figure out, like, do these people that listen to this, do they really care about these lower end things or are we advertising or talking to a community that's outside of this core that I'm, I'm thinking of right here or this persona that I'm building. But I do want to say thank you all so much for giving your insights. And who knows, maybe we find another time to rehash this at a later date with another deep topic that I'll, I'll think of as I continue down this path of just introspection and exploration in my mind. Welcome to the world of, uh, uh, I, 
when when you put that out, that video out, my thought was you're about where I was when I wrote my rum book in uh, 2015, 16. And that's where something is beginning to irk you to the point where you're like, Ugh! so uh, I, I, that was part of my my opening drum roll that I was going to do. But I was like, I held, I held off on that. But I'm I'm actually proud of you, Kenny. This was a great topic and it, it's fueled by passion. Everyone here has passion. We may not agree on everything, such as Evan Williams Bottle in the Bond being better than Elijah Craig, but we all respect each other. <laughs> That's it, right. It, it all comes from uh, passion. Ooh. Eric is uh, dropping some uh, mics tonight. He's, he's, he's been sure. hiding that all, all episode. <laughs> <laughs> like he was ashamed or something for being average. <laughs> oh man! And, and by the way, as we continue, I, I probably should have prefaced this. Actually, it's, I'm glad we didn't preface it. I'm glad we kind of postface it. I'm just saying, like, this isn't to be snooty. It's not to say that what we drink is better than what you drink. That's that's not what it is at all. It's it's mostly to understand the content that resonates with you and what are you looking for as a consumer. Because there are, as I said earlier, and I think we can go into the idea of choice at a later date, is that you are now living in the heyday of whiskey. One of the best times to ever be a whiskey consumer because the shelves are flooded with all kinds of choice. And you have an option to choose a ton of stuff out there. And so that's why I want to try and advocate for that and saying, choose things, choose different things, find things that are outside of your comfort zone and, and find things that are going to, you know, kind of stretch your imagination, your taste buds, wherever it's going to be, but let's go ahead. We'll end it on there. So Kenny signing out, but I'll let the other guys kind of go. So Brian sipping corn, you're underneath me here. Not, yeah. not in that way. I'm yeah. on the screen. Ed, ed, edit that out. When yeah, 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 yeah. So one thing I learned, it took me 84 episodes, but if my internet totally fritzes out, I move up in position and appreciation to all the guys <laughs> on the chat who noticed that thought it was intentional. I got to say totally unintentional, but now I know how to move up in the, in the pecking order, but Thanks again. Fun episode. Uh, Brian was sipping corn, bourbon justice, all the socials. You all know that. Uh, thanks, guys. Cheers. Sure. Blake. Uh, once again, Blake from Sealbox. And uh, just another fun one to be on. So really appreciate the good conversation. You know, I feel like sometimes we get to these things and we all have pretty similar opinions and we'll try to, you know, switch them around so there's a little bit of discourse. But this one, I feel like we all actually have opposite opinions at, at times. So makes it fun kind of sit here and, and talk it out and, and give those views. So it's a really fun one. First time going with a single topic. So I think that's a, that's an earmark in itself. So thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Thanks for coming here, buddy. Eric, go ahead. All right. I'm Eric from Breaking Bourbon. Uh, it was a great discussion tonight. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of reviews on, all different ranges of bourbon and we you know we do have some of those lists though we have uh, changed them slightly over the years or recently where we do you know best bourbons under 50 so instead of just hitting that $20 mark now we we do try to you know pull up some of the some of the the readers that want it the cheap stuff and the slightly elevated stuff so it's there if you if you're interested we'll see Eric now you got to do uh, the top 20 bourbons under $20 for August of 2023. And then just, you know, you can recycle that information every single week. That's going out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. 
Well, you said have AI write that one. Evan Williams, number one, 12 months in a row, back to back to back to back to back to back to back champion. Well, there was Ryan. And then Fred also, thank you again for coming on here and sharing your thoughts. Uh, I know that you have a very different outlook and view when it comes to this and you, you come at it from the media side and it was a very good way to put it because that was not the angle that I was looking at, but you put in a, in a context that made me understand more along, like, what is it to just like, you're in it, like you're in it for the views, you're in it for the clicks. Like you have to gain mind share and it's a, uh, it is a, it is a game to play. Yeah. I mean, and speaking of game, feel free to go over to my channel for the best uh, bourbons under fifteen dollars. I'll be, <laughs> be dropping right after this. It's uh, one bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, it's a uh, it's uh, this was a great topic. I, I enjoyed it, and um, it is when, when we got there toward the end. I started kind of getting depressed because you know thinking about how it used to be. So I because I I miss just being a writer. I, I miss it, and I know I can never go back. Well, at least I'm glad you're here with us. Yeah, thanks, so, man. Thanks, man. If you can't write, we at least got your voice. We'll yeah, get it out you. to everybody. Thank you. Talk to us. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. But yeah, you we'll won't read my articles. I know you won't. I know you won't read them. I know you won't. <laughs> Actually, we're going to rate them. We'll put them on a list. <laughs> I love it. That's Rating great. Fred Minnick's reviews. <laughs> <laughs> all right but with that everybody cheers thank you again for tuning in we'll be back uh in about three weeks again with another community roundtable but make sure you follow all these guys on all their socials make sure you follow bourbon pursuit if you do like the show share it with a friend if you even have a thought or saying about this particular episode keep it to yourself no i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, if you want to <laughs> If you want to, and if you want to share your express your opinion, you can actually send us a, an email. Uh, you can send it to team at bourbonpursuit.com or info at bourbonpursuit, and we can we can check it out. And if it sparks a good conversation or it could be something that we could turn into above the chart, we'll send it to Fred, and he can talk about it then too. But with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you all next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.